The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning. Welcome to Tech Talk right here on FM. And as usual, we explore all sorts of technology trends, gadgets, gizmos, and of course, the stuff that affects you and me every day. And with the, with the current situation where people are tending to work from home, and I don't even think that's a tend. If you travel around the northern, southern, even the central areas of Johannesburg, which I've done recently, um, it is exceedingly quiet on the roads, especially at rush hour. Normally, you'd see lines of cars and tons of people all sitting, you know, not talking on their cell phones in their motor vehicles. Um, and it is just very, very, very quiet. So, no question that people are either staggering their work hours, which is smart, or essentially working from home wherever possible. And this has had a really interesting impact on a lot of things. The first and most critical thing that is popping up all over the show now, and I've had a lot of questions about it, and I'm sure many of the listeners out there have got ADSL at home or have, for whatever reason, not moved to a, a more advanced, let's put it that way, or more modern way of connecting to the Internet. And the word that telecom is moving quickly to kill its its uh, ADSL network has created a, a huge fuss. I'll get to the mobile networks in a moment, but essentially the simple fact for the last 10, 15 years, a lot of people have used ADSL and for some moderate browsing, some emails, some, you know, basic work on on the internet, a four or a ten meg ADSL line was was okay. I will never say it was great because it's not, but it was okay. And now telecom very simply are killing it off as quickly as they can. And the real underlying reason for that is is twofold. One, the copper infrastructure that they have and that they laid out over the last 20, 30 years has a lifespan. Copper degrades, copper oxidizes, it eventually becomes faulty, you get crackling on the line, water damages it. And the third and most critical thing that's happening of late is that stuff is getting stolen. Copper gets stolen, um, it has a value in the in the the market, and it's become a real challenge. All of a sudden, your, your phone and uh, internet line disappears. And when you phone them, oh, no, they're busy replacing cables. And that is a real hassle, it's a real pain, and it's a real problem. So that's the first part. The second part is simply the maintenance of this line. It's getting exceedingly expensive. People, it's very people intensive, up on poles, down manholes, all over the show. So for those reasons, Telcom has clearly decided that the full infrastructure of all their vans and trucks and people and copper cables and exchanges, apart from the fact that the actual technology at the exchanges is becoming a little obsolete, that the time has come. ADSL is no more. They've given people till the end of September to switch to fiber where fiber is available, to um, 4G LTE where that is available. And in 99% of cases, that will cover the vast majority of people who are currently on ADSL. And it will actually make a big difference. One, even LTE is pretty solid. 
for the most part, it does congest a lot easier than, than other technologies. So in other words, at 8 o'clock in the evening when everyone switches on their Netflix, you'll probably find it slows down a little. But overall, it is a great solution. And we'll come back with just a couple of do's and don'ts and things and, and, and things to consider straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And as I said, the move away from copies compulsory. Telcom are going to be shutting down the network, switching it off. The cables will probably remain for the foreseeable future, well, next couple of years for normal phone calls. But the whole back-end ADSL infrastructure will be decommissioned, and it's time. It really has lived way past its sell-by date, especially in this new modern connected world of 5G, where you get 500 megs per second to your smartphone. Um, again, more about that a little later. But what Telcom have said is that they're not going to leave their customers in the lurch. If you're a Telcom ADSL customer, contact your local Telcom shop representative, go online, go talk to them on the phone. They will not charge you an installation fee to switch to one of the other technologies. So, in fact, it is now actually cheaper to use fiber than it is to use copper ADSL. So if you're not paying the installation fee, which in some cases can be up to 1,700 Rand for the initial installation, then it's actually a better deal. You'll save a little bit money, a bit of money and get a far, far, far better um, experience overall. So don't panic. Contact Telcom if you're a Telcom subscriber, but do record, do remember one important thing. Because there's telecom fiber or fiber in your area, it doesn't mean you have to use telecom. You can move your phone line uh, as well as your internet to another provider. So check it out. Have a look at what the other guys have got to offer. There's so many online. There's so many out there. Vox, um, too many for me to actually mention here. I shouldn't be doing any adverts for any one of them because there are a lot of good uh, good ISPs and a, and, and a lot of people who offer really decent service with, around the the fiber space, as well as the big players in the in the LTE space, the Vodacoms, the Rains. Interesting story hit about rain, which I'll discuss in a few minutes as well. But essentially, there are a lot of providers of LTE, which is quick and easy, but they're challenges. And the most stable and the most reliable will be fiber for 99% of people. So it's time. Get rid of your copper. Get rid of your old lines. Clean up your neighborhood. Remove those cables stringing across the the, the roof for your phone and get with the 21st century. It's time, time has now come. Now moving on to more interesting stuff around the whole, um, growth of mobile. And I've been trialing 5G from MTN and Vodacom in the last couple of weeks and using a lot of different devices. And I must tell you something. The performance is pretty spectacular in the areas where 5G is available and MTN is slightly better footprint. So the whole of Bryanston is, or whole, most of Bryanston is covered with, with MTN 5G. Vodacom is a little bit limited, little bit more limited at the moment, but both the technologies are offering 500 megabits per second um, downloads and up to I got up to 100 megabits uploads on certain certain uh, certain positions using certain phones and what was really interesting is that I definitely got the best performance using the Huawei P40 Pro over 500 easily though the my uh, gadget of the week the phone that I'm going to be talking about a little bit later the LG Velvet 5G also 
came very close to those sort of speeds on the MTN network, not on the Vodacom network. I couldn't get speed similar to that. So 5G has become a big deal. And Vodacom, you know, announced today that they had really good results as, as a result. So some people lose out because of COVID and others seem to be thriving. And Vodacom is one of those. Their results today were actually excellent. And in some ways, their foresight in getting involved in spending around about half a billion rand on infrastructure just in the first and second quarter of 2020 really, really did um, did pay off. They spent around about 2.7 billion in the first quarter on infrastructure, and once they were allocated the new uh, assigned spectrum for, for to cover the COVID period, um, they really wrapped, rolled it out. Very quickly, and whilst their numbers overall dropped, they found that their their contracts and their corporate contracts ex- expanded enormously because a lot of people were buying contracts or buying data or upgrading their contracts to take the work from home scenarios into account. And even their their um, prepaid customers were spending more. So overall, they had nearly a ten percent increase in data profit. A uh, data over the over the period, the traffic, and their 4G growth was enormous. So a lot of people moved to smarter phones, to phones that that pushed, um, you know, obviously could connect to the 4G network at much higher speeds. Interestingly, though, despite good results, good uh, revenue, much greater growth in data, their customer base shrank by around about 10%, which is it makes sense. If people are stuck at home, they don't need – and most of that drop came from the prepaid base. They may have one connection which gave them the data, but instead of having five SIMs active and spending money on them, they used one and shared it via a hotspot or whatever the case was, which makes a lot of sense. But overall, the results have been extremely positive. I've heard that MTN have also had a really good time of it along with the other networks. And it's not surprising. There's no question that a huge amount of effort has been put into making sure that our mobile networks and again, kudos to the networks. I know we, there's sort of people that we love to hate, but overall the networks have done an exceptionally good job of, of coping with the massive increases um, that the net, that the COVID lockdowns and the stay from home and the shifting patterns, because that's something a lot of people don't even realize. If Santon, for example, used to be the highest density mobile usage area or, or the, the southern suburbs of the Cape, wherever you may be, now all the infrastructure existed there to cope with that. But it did not exist in some cases in some of the more urban areas because that's when people went home. They didn't use it so much. So the fact that most people were able to get really good coverage in urban areas and er- areas that the networks had not spent a lot of time and effort densifying or increasing the capacity of the networks just shows how quickly they could move and how well they could adjust their networks to bring a reasonable service across most areas in and certainly most urban areas within the country. Now, there's some fun games coming on from that as well. Our dear friends at RAIN, which I've had a lot of people ask me about RAIN. Should it, is it easier to do than fiber? Should I install mobile instead of fiber? And the simple answer in most cases is, If you have fiber that's available in your building, your home, your complex, wherever you may live, fiber is without question the most reliable, the most solid connection, and, of course, the most um, high speed, if you need really high speed, on a a really consistent basis. And RAIN 
have been advertising an unlimited 24 by 7 5G network, which I've been using, and I must say my area has been pretty much 24 by 7 and, and pretty fast. But in not all areas has this been the case. So the, the Advertising Regulatory Board found that Rain's advertising of unlimited 24 by 7 data at an average speed of over 200 megabytes per second on its 5G products is misleading and unsubstantiated. Unfortunately, a lot of people have had tremendous hassles. I know in areas like Norwood, they've been struggling to get the 5G networks to work as well as it should. And, and what people tend to forget is that wireless is not as simple as it sounds. If you're in a concrete building, if you've got a lot of metal in your, in your, your roof, things like that, and you simply plunk down that little CPE, that little modem thing, you may not get a great signal. I'm very lucky I managed to stick my 5G router up on the roof on a pole, ran a cable down to my office, and I got great signal. But inside, I struggled to get decent 5G signal, and we're talking a difference of maybe two meters. So mobile is not quite as reliable as uh, as fixed line, and fiber seems to be the way to go going forward. Now we'll be back straight after this, and I've got a great interview with um, – Microsoft talking about their new Surface products. I said I'd bring this to you. We got, uh, you know, some really interesting insights into what's going on. And I'll be back with that straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome to Tech Talk Cafe right here on High FM. And with me, as usual, virtually on Microsoft Teams, of course, is Vitesh Reddy, who is the consumer and Channel Marketing Director, and we are going to be talking about hardware. This is a new deal for Microsoft. You've been the software people forever. Now we're talking Microsoft Surface Hardware. Welcome to the show, Vitesh. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about this new mythical animal called Microsoft Hardware. So, Stephen, Microsoft, as everyone knows, has been synonymous with software forever in the day. And over the last few years, we started to focus on hardware offerings. And what's very clear is that year in, year out, we've started to get a lot better and more focused in terms of what hardware we can bring to consumers uh, across the globe. And what's really important for us is experiences that consumers will get from new hardware with Microsoft software. Now, everybody knows that we have an ecosystem of OEMs and multinational accounts that make Windows devices. And when Microsoft decided to actually get into uh, building their own hardware, it was all about how do we bring great designed products that work extremely well, that bring back consumer love, love towards their hardware, that you probably see with other brands and other products yeah, in the market. I won't mention those type of uh, fruit, <laughs> no, fruity brands. But there's no question that they, they engender a, a much more positive emotional response than the average Windows laptop. Absolutely. And and, and as, as Microsoft started to become a lot better with the experience, with the boot up time, with touch capability, with just general experience of software, and when you couple that with great hardware that's sleek, that's slim, that's light, 
that has the right features, you start to really create a great experience between software and hardware. And Surface, I would say, has been a reference design in its early days to move the market forward. And what you've now started to see from, from Microsoft is we started starting to play with different form factors. And we're really starting to open up this offering in terms of hardware. And what we announced last week after so many years and, you know, after consumers wanting and asking for these devices and also for our commercial customers was we announced that we will launch in South Africa from the 29th of July, the Surface Pro 7, 2-in-1, and the Surface Laptop 3. When you call it a 2-in-1, you mean essentially it's a tablet with a detachable keyboard? Or that was intent, and that's a great question, but what we've seen is it's actually seen as a laptop. It's become a laptop replacement. So even though it's two-in-one with a detachable type cover that one can personalize, it has all the ports, and it runs exactly like a laptop. That, that's actually so, a big, big differentiator. This is a fully-fledged Windows 10 laptop in every respect. Absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head. It gives you everything you would want in terms of compute. You're not short of anything. You don't need to buy additional cables. It's the cables you know and the ports you know. And most importantly, it gives you the mobility aspect. So it has a quick boot up. It's got fast charging. You have the ability to customize and personalize the device with our accessories. So that's what makes it very different from other hardware offerings. Not to say that those hardware offerings are not great and are not competitive. I think it's similar to cars. You get different variations and different options depending on consumer preference. But the great difference about the Surface family is the level of customization. And they are premium products, uh, Stephen. So the Surface you, you Pro 7... You are aiming at the higher end of the market with these products. They, they, they are premium products. Um, the Surface Pro 7 will start at 17999 without the, the type cover. And the Surface Laptop 3 will start at 22999. Um, and those are for the entry versions. So, in other words, when you say entry, minimal memory, basic smaller processors. When I say minimal, I mean sufficient, but certainly lower, yeah. lower amount. So, so let me qualify a little bit. So on Surface Pro 7, 17999 will be for an i3. Um, um, chipset um, and enough and adequate memory. Now, for anyone who's a basic user, an i3 is a very good device. Uh, I'm a corporate user and I use an i5 uh, chipset device, right? So it covers the spectrum of consumer needs in the premium uh, space for sure. And and then the let's talk a little bit about the the laptop version. That is a normal fully fledged laptop. Yes, it is. There are two versions that we're announcing. One is a 13.5-inch, which comes with an Intel 10th Gen processor, and that starts with an i5. And then we have a 15-inch with a Ryzen uh, chipset, which is focused on a, a gamer, somebody who wants a different level of compute experience for, I think, more intense usage. That's actually a big deal. I mean, that's unusual to find a, a laptop from a from a sort of non-gaming company focused clearly on gamers. So very competitive in terms of, of what you guys do. Indeed. And, you know, it all comes down to choice. And what we are seeing is that, you know, unfortunately we've gone through a really 
um, tough situation with COVID, and we have started to see more and more consumers switch more to technology uh, requirements in terms of spend. So we have seen an increase in demand for PCs and for laptops and tablets because that's what people are using to connect. And likewise, we've also seen a lot of demand, even pre-COVID, for gaming. So a lot of people are doing PC gaming. And that become, is becoming more and more important as, you know, technology becomes more pervasive across the world. And just give us a little bit of insight into what, you know, you mentioned that the hardware and the software is now one complete unit. How does that translate for the, for the average consumer? What's the benefit of having, you know, your, you make the hardware and the software all as one go? Yeah. So, so let me start by saying if, we, if you were using another brand's hardware together with Windows, the experience should be exactly the same. What we have done is we have launched, obviously, devices with Windows 10 in consumer and Windows 10 Pro in, commercial, in, in the commercial channel. But the general experience is enhanced through the availability of a matching Surface Pen that gives you the ability to do inking capability that gives you the ability to edit online or to highlight online. So if you look at a lot of students who are now schooling from home, a lot of them are doing homeschooling using Microsoft Teams. They are growing up with inking on a device. That experience and how it works together with an external pen, together with the input on a touch screen, is really fundamentally changing how you experience hardware with software. And now moving on to quite a contentious issue. I dabbled with Surface over the years because it wasn't available in South Africa. I didn't commit because of the fact that it wasn't available in South Africa. But there is a lot of Surface product available in South Africa. It was available for purchase from lots of importers. How are you guys going to deal with that element of having Surface now officially in the country? And I assume your your service and support network is now capable of dealing with the current Surface product, but what about some of the older older ones? Yeah, so, so our, our approach at a worldwide level is our warranty, which is generally for a year in each of our markets, cover products that are officially sold via our official channels in country. However, like yourself, myself, a lot of us travel and a lot of people buy product when they travel in different locations or they buy it from different channels where there is availability, where we've not been quick enough to be able to get those products into the key markets. In that situation, we do have a call center that's set up where we will have capability to support and field any queries. Uh, we will definitely be able to try and understand where are the faults or where's the service requirements. However, what I can say is that we would only cover products that's officially sold in South Africa, but we will have a call center available where people can raise their queries to understand what support they could get for their products. So for clarity, you'll minimize the pain of having a non-official product, but you won't be able to repair and fix them as easily as you would a product that's officially supported in the country? Um, no, I, I think we would be able to offer service and support okay. for out-of-warranty out of out of claims. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so that, we would cover everything within warranty. Yes. And, and it prevents someone having to go through the schlep of trying to figure out how do they get it fixed because they're not cheap devices, right? No. And there will be service and support offered, but obviously at a cost, depending on whether it's in warranty or out, or depending on the specific fault. Okay, well, that, 
that's a huge bonus. As I said, I know a lot of people are using the product and it will be very nice to actually have local support should you need it, whatever the case may be. Um, and has there been a lot of corporate interest? That would be an interesting one. Have you seen any real corporate interest in the surface products in South Africa as yet? Yeah. Or do you think it's early? Yeah, I can't comment specifically on any specific, you know, multinational or no, 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 but just in general, had demand. But I think we have, we've been we've been surprised with the amount of buzz and activity around the announcement, having uh, made it last week. Um, and, and I do expect that there will be a good level of demand. We are starting with the Surface Pro 7 and the Surface Laptop 3. As you know, and I think as many of your consumers uh, who are listening is, we have uh, many other products in the Surface family. We continue to evaluate, you know, the options to expand. For now, the focus will be on the Surface Pro 7, which is an iconic and very well-known uh, product line. That's pretty much made Surface what it is. And then, of course, the Surface Laptop 3. Um, and it's something that we will look at expanding down the line, but we've got no announcements on that specifically. Um, and accessories yeah. around the line, like the headphones and things like that, are those products that are going to yeah. be offered in South Africa? So, no announcement on the headphones or on the uh, in-ear um, wireless um, earphones, but we will be offering the Surface Type Cover, uh, the Surface Pen, the Surface Arc Mouse, including all the peripherals uh, that enhance the experience like the uh, the dock and the connector cables. So to start, you will have a good range. You'll be able to walk out of a store with the right products. Completely they will be set up on Exactly. You'll have a complete Surface Home setup, and they will be available from launch from uh, Incredible Connection across South Africa, as well as Vodacom. So... Vodacom will be selling it, an incredible connection to start. Yeah, yeah. And then do you expect Correct. it to go wider than that in the nearest future as well? Of course. So, so we would always have plans to cover the market and to work with the rest of our channel partners. That's something we are evaluating. That's brilliant. Well, I certainly look forward to playing with some of these gadgets in the nearest future. It should be very, very interesting and uh, very familiar in a in a strange way because Windows 10 is not an unknown entity. But on Surface product, I think it brings another sort of dimension to it. Well, thanks for joining yes, us. Sir. I think that's really exciting news, and it's good to see that finally Microsoft South Africa has taken the hardware plunge. And here we go with Surface. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you so much for, for having us. We're really excited to finally bring these products uh, to our shores, and we're looking forward to delighting many consumers and commercial customers out there with the latest. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Stephen. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now, moving on to my favorite part of the show, I've always maintained I'm unashamedly a gadget guy. I love playing with new gadgets. And it also really does show you what's coming, what's new, what's happening, what's on the horizon going forward. And I just dropped it, didn't break, which is always good. The latest mobile phone that has crossed my desk is from LG. Now, LG, I've always had a particularly soft spot for LG product. I've always found them to be extremely well-made, really reliable. They seem to last a long time. Generally, their mobile devices had great batteries, so they, they didn't fade with time. And the overall interface and the way they worked was extremely mature and easy to use. They didn't have much 
much fuss within the, the operating system, obviously based on Android and the latest versions, use the latest versions of Android. The only complaint I really had was that essentially LG didn't seem to be as quick with updates as some of their competitors, and they didn't have as big a range in South Africa as obviously the other Korean competitors such as Samsung. But nonetheless, they've always done interesting stuff with with phones that you could swap cameras out, with ones that you could slip in new modules. They've always tried to push the edge quite hard. And they've just released a brand new range of phones in South Africa, or a brand new phone, not range as yet, and that is called the LG Velvet. And you'll see it's now available from Vodacom. It will be available from the other networks very shortly. And essentially, it is a very fresh, modern um, smartphone. And its outstanding features are, one, it's taller than it's wider. It's quite a tall, slim phone. It also comes with an incredibly clever case. It's an optional extra. It's not. It's free, actually, right now on Vodacom if you buy it. But on other networks, it's an optional extra, which adds <clears throat> a little bit to the price. But what it is is a second screen in a case, which gives you a little foldable phone with a, a pretty sleek case, uh, a screen on the front where you can see the time, notifications, incoming calls. You can answer without opening the case. But when it's open, you've got two identical screens, which they've got some clever software. It's a little buggy, I think. I think there's some updates coming. But essentially, you can watch a YouTube video on the left while you answer an email on the right. You can spread things out on screens where it really becomes useful. I've tried it for a few games. Is when you turn the, the phone on its side and it looks a little bit like a gaming machine, you can play the control the game on the bottom and watch the action on the top, which is very different to a standard phone where you have to actually control within the picture on your standard screen. It does add a little bit of bulk and weight, so it becomes a lot less uh, portable, for want of a better word. But the basic phone, when it's popped out of the case, is really very, very, very futuristic, a little bit uh, slippery, as all these gl glass phones are, I would suggest another case, a soft or hard shell case to carry it around. It has got a very high resolution screen, which is really nice. Um, and the quality of the screens have always been really good from LG. But one of the sta standout features and one of the reasons why it's being released now is it is a full 5G phone using the latest chipset from Qualcomm, using the, the chip, the, the Qualcomm Snapdragon 756, which is the second tier processor, and obviously running LG's UX9, which is a version of Android 10. It does incorporate the full Android App Store, so you've got all the necessary stuff you need for Android in order to run absolutely everything on Android that you would want. And it is not actually aimed at the top-end flagships flagship phones because it retails for around about 13999 so it's very reasonable for a fully-fledged. In fact, it is the cheapest 5G phone on the market right now. And my tests on the MTN network, certainly in the Bryanson area, have shown that I was getting easily 500 megs up to 600 meg downloads with 100 meg upload, and it was extremely fast. It was, in fact, so fast that after two, three speed tests, I was getting warnings to say that I'm using an exceptional amount of data. I think two speed tests was 2.5 gigs of data just to run a speed test. So please beware that if you do get a 5G phone, you should have a really, and you start streaming and downloading and doing stuff on that 
500 megabit per second network, you are going to use extreme amounts of data. So just be very careful that you're not going to run out of data really quickly. But the sound quality, the the build quality, and everything on this phone is is really good. Um, I must say that I'm very, very, very pleased with my experience on the LG Velvet. And if you're looking for a future-proof phone at a lot less than the 20 grand you have to pay for the other 5G phone on the market currently, which is the which is the Huawei P40 Pro or the Huawei P40, with the hassle of not having Android on that phone, the LG and the LG V60 are the two other alternatives in the 5G space, the V60 being the flagship, also much more, a little bit more expensive. But the Velvet is an incredibly good device at its price, which is in the upper upper low end, so in the 13, 14 grand range. And it's got a great camera, 48 megapixel main camera. Again, maybe not as good as some of the top flagship phones, but for the most part, I found it to be extremely good at low light, it captures video really smoothly. It's got a really nice um, selfie camera. Obviously, there are three cameras on the back, four in fact, but three that are operational. There's an 8-megapixel wide angle. Um, there's a 5-megapixel tertiary lens for depth. And the 16-megapixel front uh, camera is really very, very, very good. I must say the selfies, the wide-angle selfies were great. And it is an extremely competent phone across pretty much everything that I've done. It is, as I say, not quite a flagship phone. But I think what LG have done with this device is, one, make it feel very futuristic. It's slick, smooth, and easy to use. It's great for gaming. It uses the latest Qualcomm chipset, so it works across most of the 5G networks. That's something that, um, if you listen to my interview with the the MTN guys, it's quite, it's still a bit complex. 5G is not as simple as just picking up a phone and using it. Some phones will work on some frequencies. Other phones work, won't work on other frequencies. But this particular phone uses the second generation Qualcomm Snapdragon chipsets and works pretty much on all the subsexes, they call it, and even some of the millimeter wave uh, frequencies that are going to be used for 5G. So it may not be applicable everywhere right now. 4G is still much more common. In fact, 98% more common than 5G. But the 5G rollout over the next year is going to be, over the life of this phone, is going to be impressive. I believe there's a race on for lots of reasons. One, it is actually cheaper to deploy 5G now than 4G. The Spectrum will be available before the end of the year. I'm more than sure there's a big push from uh, the government to get that out and, and out and about. So buying a 5G phone is actually a smart thing to do now. I do believe the next generation of Galaxy Samsung Galaxy Notes coming on, well, they're announcing it on the 5th of August, will be 5G. There's a little bit of a rumor that maybe the next generation of iPhones may not be 5G for South Africa, which would be a huge mistake. So anyone who has any influence and is listening to the show, please uh, work on on Apple to make sure that we get the 5G devices for South Africa. But again, there is a challenge because not every 5G device will work on every 5G network everywhere in the world. And there'll be nothing worse than you arrive in a country or you travel or you work wherever and you can't get your 5G phone to connect to the 5G network where you're going. And it creates massive complexity for the manufacturers as well. So there is a chance, but I hope it won't happen that the, the next generation of iPhones will also 
not be 5G. But on that note, right now, one of the coolest phones that I've used is the new LG Velvet. It is well-priced. Um, apparently, with the first 500 customers who get a contract with Vodacom will get the multitasking dual screen, which I'm enjoying. Otherwise, it costs about four grand. It's not a must-have, but it does add a level of utility and a little bit of desirability to a device. It feels very futuristic. As I said, for the most part, it works well. Sometimes it does strange stuff. But it's very cool to have two um, 6,8-inch screens, and that's quite a lot of real estate. It eventually actually becomes like a big tablet. And you can spread certain things like spreadsheets across both um, screens. It doesn't have facial recognition, which is quite odd, but it does have a really good and sensitive on-screen fingerprint sensor. And um, overall, the, the sound quality, the network quality, it comes with Wi-Fi 6. It's got the latest versions um, of, of all the technologies you may need. And it's an excellent buy at the price. So if you're looking for a brand new phone with a bit of a difference, you can add another screen to it in its, its little case. It's really fast, slick, and easy to use. I would highly recommend the LG Velvet as a, a not quite high-end, but certainly with all the latest high-end features that you would imagine at a price that I think, in considering what's going on, in the market right now, a really, really, really good price. And I'll be back uh, straight after this little break for our sponsors, and we'll be talking a little bit about COVID Connect, which is something that uh, hit the hit the. Well, it's actually been out a while, and you may have even got an SMS. So I'll be back with that straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on one hundred one point nine High FM. Well, welcome back, and. Um, just a quick wrap-up, as I said, uh, LG have quite a range of different phones on the market, from the V60, which is their top-end technology. The one thing that I did miss on the Velvet is their high-end um, audio setup, which I forgot to mention is not available. So it doesn't have their quad deck like the V40, V50, and V60 product, which for real high-end people uh, is a real hassle. I must admit, using lossless um Streaming services, the quality of sound on those devices is way ahead of pretty much anything else on the market. But it sounds decent. It, it, it's good for the price and it's competitive with all the others on the market. So on that last little note, um, it's not really a disappointment. It's just something that is not there on the current Velvet range. Now, moving on to COVID Connect, what it is and what it isn't. You may have got an SMS from the Department of Health um, in the last little while about, you know, connect through this to COVID Connect and contact. And and it's, it's actually part of the whole contact tracing element that we need to um, to actually start implementing within South Africa. And what the SMS does is directs you to a service called COVID Connect. And COVID Connect is not an app. It's not a tracking and tracing app. It's a service that is being offered purely through SMS and WhatsApp. So it's not an app. There's no app to download. It's not tracking you. It's not creating all sorts of things as I actually believe that most of us should use a COVID tracking app. It's a great way for us to, to know what's going on and to allow the authorities to track COVID. The problem is privacy. It allows the authorities to track a lot more than just COVID. And that's a discussion for another time. But Telcom BCX um, and the Department of Health 
co-created the setup and it actually is very, very, very smart. And what it, what it does, it's just part of how you can get a little bit of information to the various people and allow you to, to get messages to people you may have been in, in contact with. And it is being used broadly by health workers in the country. And it does provide a certain level of analytics. So in simple terms, what it is for the public, it's essentially a chatbot. The chatbot will, will, and that's on, on WhatsApp, will inform patients of their coronavirus test results, capture the details of the people that the patient was in close contact with, so you have to supply that information, and provide those contacts with the information they need to self-quarantine and get tested as appropriate. So if you tested positive, those people you've been in contact with will get a message to say, you have been in contact with someone who has tested positive and you need to then self-quarantine and do whatever needs to do. Or, you know, you were in contact with someone who's tested negative, don't worry, just stay safe. Um, and from, for the Department of Health, the Connect is a database and analytics tool that allows and helps it with contact tracing and exposure notification. So if you get a, if you get an SMS saying, you know, you were in contact with someone, I think they're hoping that it'll go viral, that as more and more people get notified or come into contact with people and get and use the, the, the system, they will grow the database of people. So it's, it's almost an opt-in self-use type of contact tracing app, but it's not using the GPS of the phone. It's not using any information on the phone other than your number which is provided by someone that you may or may not know well or have come into contact with. And I think that um, it's a great idea. So if you've got a, if you do get a test for coronavirus or have been in close contact with someone who has tested positive, you can simply, um, from the SMS you either get, you can fill in all the information, and they will obviously ask, ask you to sign some terms and conditions around it. But I cannot see any privacy. A lot of people have said they're never going to use any contact app simply because of the privacy concerns and the issues around, you know, government tracking them, et cetera, et cetera. This is not quite the same thing. So if you do get an SMS and you have been uh, close to someone who has been in contact, you can use the chatbot to um, to assist you to notify other people you've been with and to either be notified yourself to go for a test if you show symptoms or isolate as needs be. So it really does help in general to to create the environment of notification and care that you need in this crazy time. So don't be scared of it. Uh, who knows um, if the more comprehensive tracing apps, which are automatic. In other words, you don't have to inform, input information will come to the country. I do believe they will as the next phase of the whole COVID crisis evolves and the need to be aware of what's going on, not only locally, but globally. There are a lot of countries that once travel resumes will insist that you cannot enter the country unless you download the app, register on it, and become part of the track and tracing system that exists in those countries. And it makes sense. I know it's a privacy issue thing, but let's be honest. <laughs> I'd rather not have COVID and give them a little bit of my information than, and know if there's a problem than not. So it's always a balancing act. But I think this is quite a smart initiative, and it's all being managed through BCX, 
which again is part of the government through telcom, but the, the database is fairly anonymous, but it will have your phone number, obviously not necessarily your name, and will be able to assist in informing you and informing those that you're close to that of what their status is or what the problem may be or not, which is a great idea. So if you do get an SMS, please don't ignore it. Don't think it's spam. It looks very, it, it's going to say it's an official Department of Health SMS. Thank you for testing for COVID. Knowing your results, the first step in protecting yourself. WhatsApp results too. Or click this link and then you will follow on. And then people around you will get an SMS saying, hi, you're in close contact with someone who has COVID-19. Please check in with the Department of Health to assess your risk and get supported. Um, and you do that through a WhatsApp check which is an 0600 number, 123456, or click again through the link. You can check this whole thing out on the sacoronavirus.co.za website just to see that it is legit. And in this crazy time, people are scared to to click on links and, and do things on their phones. But this one is really, I think, quite important. And on that note, I'm afraid I've been warned that it's time to wrap up because um, my time has run out. So until next week, with all the gadgets, gizmos, and hopefully new tech that is coming down the line, because remember, September's around the corner. All the new stuff does come out fairly soon. So stay tuned to Tech Talk right here on High FM.